Join me in prayer as we prepare our hearts and minds for the, uh, for the message today. Creator God, maker of each soul here today, open each of our minds to the story you're telling in your holy scriptures. Open our hearts to find our place within that story and grant us love and compassion to celebrate the places each other holds in your unfolding drama of renewal. Amen. Today's scripture reading is from Ephesians 4, 4 through 16. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and he gave gifts to his people. What does ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Mike St. Dennis. I'm the associate pastor here at All Souls, and I blew a tire this week. Um, so Tuesday afternoon, I was carrying the baby downstairs from his nap, and I got to the bottom step, and underneath the bottom step was a rain boot that somebody had left there. So uh, I went into the wall and uh, got a severe sprain and a slight fracture that I got get checked out more tomorrow. Um, and like a hero, I held on to that baby. <laughs> Until I hit the wall, and then <laughs> being like a foot from the ground, he did a backflip, he was shaken up. Uh, but it was a beautiful moment because he was more concerned about me than, than himself. And so after a few minutes of wailing on the floor and thinking I probably was just going to stay there till I died. Uh, then I took him in my arms. He wrapped his arms around me, laid his head on my shoulder, uh, his, his head on my chest, and it was, it was beautiful. Um, so then I thought, great, okay, I'm fine, and I, I'll walk it off. And then the next day came. Um, so went to urgent care on Thursday, and, and like I said, follow-up appointment with orthopedist. Going home from the hospital, you know, I called Stephen. I said, Stephen, you know, Here's what happened at the doctor's office, and I'm preaching on Sunday, and Stephen said, you know, Michael Jordan did some of his best work <laughs> when he was sick, when he had a broken leg. Uh, actually, no, he offered to take my place, and, and uh, 
And I thought to myself, no, like, you know, this will be good. I'll be on the couch. I'll have plenty of time to, to think and process and pray about this sermon. And then um, I don't, Advil didn't really help me do all that. So we're really going to trust the Holy Spirit today as we look at the scriptures together. Uh, and I do find it funny that in this passage, this vision of what God is up to says this, from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, <laughs> grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And Stephen said to me, yep, and when one part isn't working, there's pain for the rest. Uh, and that is true in what we are going to talk about this morning, and that's talking about God's work in future generations. Uh, and in mind this morning, I particularly have in mind people uh, maybe 25 to 30 and younger. Um, and, and I'm not very far removed from that, but, um, but that's what we're going to talk about. So going into this fall, we've been doing a study um, a sermon series talking about kind of what are our strategic goals as a community. So if you're new uh, or visiting with us this morning, I want to share with you our mission as a church is practicing the way of Jesus for the renewal of all things. So joining together to be with Jesus so we can become like Jesus, that means taking on his practices and his ways and even making his words our own words, his prayers our own prayers, um, and following after him in those ways so that we can become like him, go out into the world and bear his likeness. The specific fruit we believe that God is calling us as a church uh, to bear in our community in this modern Western culture, we believe that God wants us to be a church that expresses grace, rest, engagement, contribution, uh, and reconciliation. Because we believe that these are very much the, the fruit of the gospel, but a fruit that's desperately needed in a culture that instead is marked by uh, judgment and exhaustion, distraction, division, and consumption. Um, so we believe that that's kind of what God is calling us to and what we want to strive towards together. And Mandy mentioned that part of that is going to be our church-wide study kicking off September 17th when we talk about taking on Jesus' approach uh, to simplicity, to trust in the Father, to abide in his will, and to follow him because we have margin to give away to him. To, to follow his leading. So we're going to talk about that. And again, we're going to talk about that because very few of us have marching. Uh, and so we do need to simplify and listen to him. We believe, though, that there are some specific places that God is going to lead us to focus on in the next few years as a church. Unique places that we want to bear this fruit. Because again, places that are neglected uh, according to the, the, the current calculus of our culture, the way that things are arranged, and even what we see in our own lives. And so our three focuses are going to be to pursue renewal of our community, renewal of future generations, and renewal of our city. So uh, renewal of our community, you, you know this, is the, that church is very different than it used to be. And so we're very much accustomed to coming on Sunday morning, sort of getting some spiritual food to chew on during the week, engage with our heads, and then go home. But the fabric in the place that church is held as sort of the center of the social life is not there anymore. And therefore, the opportunities to serve alongside one another and serve one another and grow deep, meaningful, intimate relationships to see God move 
um, is just not there in the same way. And then not just here, but also in our community, in our neighborhoods around us. So we want to see renewal come into these places. And part of that in this church is, is to see that, that the future generations make up such a significant part of this community. I said a few weeks ago, we have 350 adults, but we have over 200 uh, kids and students from zero to 18. And in our youth ministry alone, going into this fall, we have about 75 or 80 kids that are in middle and high school. And so again, you look around the room, you might not see all of that, you might not be able to interact with it, but the future generations are here. Another interesting thing that's happened over the last few years since COVID, um, we had, I think, fewer than like eight uh, young adults in that like 18 to 25 range. And when I first got here, there were all kinds of, of grad students that were here when I was in grad school myself. Uh, but then as the cost of living increased, that kind of changed a lot. And then as that started to change here and the demographics changed here, when young adults came in here, they didn't find a lot of peers here. And so they didn't end up sticking. Uh, a lot of them wanted to go find a spouse at Passion City. And so, <laughs> and so we wept and wept and then they left. But then, just over the last six months, um, uh, that number has tripled. God has been bringing in uh, college students, recent college grads, um, many people in the church who grew up here, moved back home, went to look for another church, missed me, came back here, um, or really I just happened to see them when they were visiting with their parents and we roped them into stuff. Um, and then certainly like grad students and then other young adults. So there's this big change that's been happening here in our church. And we've been talking about it as a leadership the last few years. Uh, what has happened to the young adult population? What has happened to, why when we have Agnes Scott down the street and we have Emory up the road, why do we not have more college students here? Um, and so the idea of pouring into the next generations is uh, also um, equated to pouring into our community and experiencing renewal here. But it doesn't happen accidentally. And the future generations are not just the babies or those who aren't born yet, but it's all the way up to young adults. And even, uh, like, I would just say, I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the point. Anybody younger than me is a future generation. I'm a generation that's here. Deal with it. And then our third focus is renewal of our city. And so this means partnering with uh, our, our local missions partners that are doing amazing work uh, to see holistic change come into our city. And we're specifically focused on the partners uh, that are reaching future generations and, 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 and coming alongside families and things like that. We still have partnerships with many other groups that are meeting all kinds of other needs. But you can see how this might kind of blend together to one beautiful picture. Uh, adults from our church coming alongside, students and, and kids uh, that are going out to serve at Friends of Refugees or at uh, Peace Prep. They're doing uh, drives over Christmas for FCS or snack drive like we did this summer for Peace Prep. We're talking about how God's called us to partner with them. They have a role and a job in it, and we have, God has put us here to come alongside as partners with one another. And in doing that and living out that story, believing that God is going to transform this community 
as well. It's, it, it's really this comprehensive vision, and each one of us has a part in that. Uh, so that's what I'm hoping that you'll see this morning, is not necessarily the specific parts that you will play, but that you have a job. And it is a necessary job that, that, that we can't be us without you. That's it. I saw that smile. That's a, I've been trying to get that phrase to catch on here for a while. I want to put it on t-shirts, but nobody's supporting me. So maybe we'll take a vote at the end. The passage that Tom has read for us is from the book of Ephesians, which is kind of a church book. Um, it's where uh, Paul is writing to tell the church about who Jesus is, what he did, how much he loves the church, and gave himself for her. Um, and then he goes after setting that up for three Uh, chapters, then Paul says, now you have a part to play in this great story. And he goes here to outline this vision that God has for what the church would become and be like in light of that. And so we're going to look at that this morning. Now notice, um, because there's no book of second opinions in the New Testament, there's no, there's very few passages that talk about future generations. Um, I think about uh, Paul telling Timothy, let nobody despise you because of your youth. I tell that to people all the time. Um, then in, there's passages like Deuteronomy uh, 6 and 11, and I want to read that for you real quick, um, because these are really strong passages as well. So, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Great. But then listen to what Moses goes to right after that. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts, right? So your personal transformation, but he's speaking to the whole community. And then immediately impress them on your children. Don't oppress your children, but impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. Okay? He says that in Deuteronomy 6. Then in Deuteronomy 11, he says this. Love the Lord your God and keep his requirements, his decrees, his laws, his commands. And remember today that your children were not the ones who saw and experienced all the Lord had done. They didn't see the stories. They didn't experience the wilderness, deliverance from Egypt. So instead, Moses tells them, fix these words in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children. Talking about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. These are his instructions. Okay, so how much of the week do you spend lying down? And then how much of the time do you spend getting up? Because that's the amount of time, he says, to teach them and tell the stories. And then as well, how many times do you go into your house and how many times do you go out of your house? How much of your life is made up in these two things? What Moses is getting at is that all the time we have to tell the stories, the things we've seen God do. In the book of Judges, we see a picture of what happens when we don't tell those stories. Uh, It says in in Judges chapter 2, that the people did not remember what God had done and teach it to the next generation. And so when the generation who had witnessed it passed away, the next generation grew up not knowing the Lord or all that he had done. 
People have said things like the church is always like one generation from falling apart. And you see that cycle played out over and over again in the book, uh, in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament and Israel. But you know it in your own life as well. That when we go a week or a month without remembering and telling the story and encountering God's story in other people, we forget it. And then we can't access it when we need it. To remember and know who God is and what he is like. So I shared those as a couple examples of what God says in the Bible about future generations. But what he says here in Ephesians chapter 4 applies to all of us. To all of us. All right, I mixed up my papers too much. Let's find it. Drop some of those there. All right. The theme in this passage here in Ephesians 4 is uh, unity, being intimately bonded to one another. And again, we want to be bonded to one another in our church community, including all generations, to come alongside our neighbors in our city and come alongside all generations there as well. Paul says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and in all and through all. Unity. Uh, then he says later on that the apostles, the teachers, leaders in the church have been given to equip his people for works of service so the body of Christ may be built up, the body, that's all of us, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. And this is how we will become mature attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Unity. Um, another way I want us to think about this is rootedness. Rootedness. Uh, there was one word that, that kind of became the initial idea behind all of our church's vision and philosophy. So we, we realized that in this day and age of modern technology and the modern opportunities and temptations that are presented to us, uh, we live in, in a very fluid, dynamic world, uh, a plastic world, and so everything can be remade. There's no depth to our, necessarily available to us. There's just a lot of like consume more and more and more, fast-paced living, not really planting ourselves deeply. And so the idea of becoming rooted and rooted for the sake of this community became really important. So what does it mean to be rooted? Uh, my favorite illustration for this comes from the sequoia trees and redwoods that stand over 300 feet in the air, uh, taller than the Statue of Liberty. And the amazing things about these enormous trees um, are that their roots do not grow very deep. So though they might stand 300 or more feet in the air, the roots only go down about five or six feet. But they go out a hundred or more feet. And you do not find tall sequoia trees in maturity in isolation. Because of their root patterns, they cannot grow tall apart from a grove of other sequoia trees. Christianity, growing into maturity, into wholeness, is not a solo endeavor. It's not a individual sport. It's a team activity 
where we are all required and God uses each one of us so that the total can be built up into the maturity that is Christ. And not all of our roots will be deep in the same places or wide in the same places. Twice in 1 Corinthians, Paul says to the church, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Another way of saying that is where my roots are long, plant your roots alongside me. Grow and follow after me. And in the ways that your roots are long and you have weathered the storms, may I imitate you as you imitate Christ. That my roots similarly would be growing deep in those ways. And in Philippians 4, as we have adopted that verse for our youth ministry this next year, uh, Paul says, whatever you have seen or heard or received in me, put it into practice. And the peace of the Lord will guard your hearts. In life, uh, giving up and teaching in a lecture format, it, it can be effective for older adults who can do complex thinking and hold lots of ideas at the same time. But for younger generations, for people that didn't have their coffee yet and things like that, it's a terrible way to teach and to train. Oftentimes things are caught better than they are taught. And as Paul talks about the church coming alongside together and then each group finding their part to play in it, to encourage and imitate one another. As Paul says, whatever you have seen or heard or received, whatever impression, when you looked at me and saw roots, depth, imitation of Jesus, where it felt like the divine, follow alongside me in that, and I'll do the same for you. So in our own spiritual formation, if we're going to experience renewal, if we're going to abide in Jesus and bear much fruit, if we're going to have a meaningful impact with our neighbors, our loved ones, folks inside the community, outside the community, all these things, we cannot do it without deep roots and not just our own, but for one another. If you're practicing the way of Jesus on your own and you're finding that that isolation is limited, may this be a season, this fall, the next few weeks, especially when our study gets going, that you come along to find people to grow deep with so that you might bear much fruit. Pastor Rich Viotis, who's the pastor at New Life Fellowship, wrote a book called The Deeply Formed Life, and he says this thing, uh, he says it this way, a deeply formed life is marked by integration, intersection, intertwining, interweaving, holding together multiple layers of spiritual formation and maturity, that are best held together in a community where we are surrounded by different people who powerfully bear witness to an area of formation in which we might not be so strong. We have to come in contact with others, not only so that we can benefit from their gifts and the diversity of who God has made us to be, but also so that in their giftedness and our weakness, we can see Christ's power be made perfect. That we can start to imitate them and follow alongside. So there's two questions that I just want you to think about for yourself right now. Uh, the first is, where have your roots, or three questions, where have your roots, roots grown deep? What are you gifted at? 
What work has God been up to in your life? What kind of fruit have you borne? To think about that and consider that in, in thanks and praise because Christ has apportioned that grace to you to gift you in his likeness, to make you strong and grow deep roots. So taking those things and giving thanks and praise for them. But then the second question is, where do you need deeper roots? What are some things that you're struggling with at this time? That you need to find somebody to come alongside so that Christ-likeness might be represented to you. So that you can see a path and a new way forward. And then the last question is, who are you rooted with? Who are the people that are, that are shaping you and forming you? We say this to teenagers uh, a lot, the idea of like, you got to surround yourself with the right crowd because whoever, whoever the five people you spend the most amount of time with, uh, they're going to have the biggest impact on you and influence you. So this idea of who we are rooted with, we can be rooted with people that are pulling us out, making our roots shorter, chopping us off, giving us bad ideas. Um, or we can be rooted with people where, where we can imitate them and grow deeper roots. And again, it's not just for teenagers, but it's for all of us. And so if that's what God has in mind for the church, we believe that's what he has in mind for our next generation as well. For kids, for students, for young adults, uh, for older young adults, and then all the way up to whatever I am. What stood out to me from this passage alongside forming those bonds with one another was this idea. This is a beautiful definition uh, and contrasting immaturity with maturity. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Uh, how many of you were ever uh, uh, 13? A fair amount of us. Yeah. Uh, do, you, do you remember ever trying on different personalities? Do you ever remember dressing different, changing up your music style? Uh, like going out and finding something that was cool? I t I've told this story too many times. I'm not sure how many of the scripture passages the kids are going to remember from youth group, but they'll all remember that when I was in sixth grade, I lied about knowing what Pokemon was. Because I showed up to the pool and everybody knew what it was and I had no idea, so I just made stuff up trying to fit in, trying to belong. Um, and then, and then I, had, I had been earning money for the summertime. There were things I wanted to do and things I wanted to get and invest in. And then all of a sudden everybody's into this and I'm like, well, maybe I could do that instead. And maybe I'll spend my hard-earned money over here and kind of chasing after different identities and opportunities. Now here's the thing. Some of us, uh, still struggle with that. Like the idea, the, 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 the good uh, Reverend Dr. Stephen Good a couple years ago said, <laughs> said you cannot mistake uh, proximity and time with the church for spiritual maturity. Just because you've been around the church a long time does not mean you're spiritually mature. Just because you have read lots of the Bible and can quote it from memory doesn't mean those words are in your heart and shape your hands and your feet. I love Pete Scazzaro's definition that 
that you cannot be emotionally, you cannot be spiritually mature without being emotionally mature for the gospel to actually rewire your heart and what you think about yourself and about others and about God and how it shapes your priorities and the way you spend your time and these kinds of things. But we all have deep roots in some places and we're still growing and immature in others. There are still places in our lives where we're being tossed back and forth by the wind, by the schemes of man, by the demands of the workplace, keeping up with culture. There's all kinds of things. And so because we still have to grow in these ways, why would we expect that our kids, our young adults, up-and-coming 30-year-olds, why, why would they be any different? We need rootedness so we're not tossed back and forth. And we can only grow those deep roots with one another. We've decided to make some changes in our youth ministry over the last year. One of the things that we realized was the way we did youth at All Souls. Um, you know, there's, there's the attractional model of doing church where you have a lot of giveaways and prizes um, and you earn the right to be heard and you do a lot of fun and engagement and you chase kids and then you kind of wait for this magical moment, usually at a retreat or camp, where you present the gospel to them and hope that the presentation there that makes sense out of all the love that you've shown them before that. That wasn't necessarily our model, um, in part because I went to Reformed Theological Seminary and we don't have fun there. <laughs> so, so I opted for another approach that was um, kind of renewing of the mind if we'll just tell them enough of the right things often enough, certainly we'll see a change. And so we, we taught the kids very often um, and, and sort of lectured and went through things and showed them kind of how we think and, um, and, and exposed them to all kinds of stuff. But then we never got to see whether any of it stuck. We, we'd bring them in, we'd break the ice with some fun, we'd sugar them up, and then we'd talk kind of at them and sometimes with them. And then they'd leave, and I'd be like, what did we just do? What impact is that going to have? And then we would watch kids go away to college and graduate and get to their first jobs and things like that and have no idea what was going on in their life, where they were at emotionally and spiritually, whether they had hope for the future, what story they were living out. Well, this year we're changing from that teaching model to an equipping model where we want to entrust the kids to be the church. You know, you don't have any body part on you that, that isn't useful because it still has grown up to do. All of our body parts usually, you know, for the most part, kind of grow up the same rate, and we kind of kind of use them at whatever level that they're at. When you think about somebody in the next generation, we have this tendency to believe, like, when you arrive, when you get to a certain level... We can't wait because then you're going to be useful. You're going to have an impact in the kingdom. And I've fallen into that temptation to believe that lie myself. And then you show up to vacation Bible school or summer youth experience or all kinds of stuff and then watch kids pour themselves out for others. You see it on Sunday mornings and on other times, sometimes you get the complaints, the, the selfishness. There's not enough donuts. We didn't have enough fun. Here's what's going on at school. Uh, this is boring. I don't like your hair. All kinds of stuff. 
But then you get these moments where God's likeness comes through. Where you see Christ more clearly because some of the body parts have found their place. For us as the church at All Souls and then also for the world around us, we need the next generation and not in the future. We need them now. We need them to find their place to serve and to lead now. In our youth ministry, we're going to do that in sort of a lab setting in the youth ministry. And if we never make it outside of the lab, we're going to do away with that and just do it in the field. But the hope is to create a safe space where they can grow deep roots with other adults who have all kinds of gifts and experiences and deep and short roots in all kinds of places so that they can be interwoven into a grove of God's story and how he's at work so that they too can step up and use their gifts to bless the church now and become a blessing in the world around us. So that we can see them not just being led by us to go serve our neighbors, but probably leading us out to go see our neighbors. This next generation has been classified in some uh, harsh, severe ways. The statistics show and, and fit the descriptions that they are the loneliest, most anxious, least religious, the most identity-confused generation that our country has ever seen. Loneliest, most anxious, the least religious, most identity-confused. But at the same time, the next generation is a gift. They're the most well-educated, the most diverse, the most globally aware and in tune, and the most justice-driven generation that our nation has ever seen. And some of those gifts that are there are there because God is redeeming some of the weaknesses and hardships. The same thing that causes them to have identity confusion. This was true for my generation a little bit as well. Having access to technology means that we can see all kinds of stories in the world. An infinite number of stories and see an infinite number of ways to live in the world. And when you have that many options, you know, if you were like the blacksmith's kid 250 years ago in the village, you're probably going to be the blacksmith when you grow up. But now there's so many different things that we can be and we can become, and they all have ups and downs. So which one are we supposed to choose? There's all kinds of groups we could identify and belong with, but they all have ups and downs. Which one are we supposed to choose? And so on the one hand, they are in touch, they're sympathetic, they're justice-oriented because they see the hardships. But at the same time, they're tossed back and forth not knowing the path that's right for them. We as a church have a chance to come alongside them and say, in many ways in my life, I'm tossed back and forth. But by the grace of God, he is causing me to grow roots. And in other ways in my life, I was tossed back and forth and I know what that's like but God has been gracious and come near to me. As I've been recruiting adults to come alongside our youth ministry this year, our goal is to have no less than five adults from our church pouring into each kid. Most youth ministries try to have one adult for every five kids. 
but we're going to try to go the opposite. And if we have 80 kids that are involved here, that means we have to find 400 some adults. But I believe that that's what God is doing, to plant these kids, just like you and me, amongst a grove of people being shaped by the Spirit so that that grove of people becomes the full maturity of Christ. As I've been recruiting adults over and over again, like anybody who says yes to youth ministry right away, you need to have about six meetings with them before you decide. (laughs) But the people who say no oftentimes cite, I just don't know what their world is like. I don't know what's going on. Uh, It's intimidating. It seems like there's a different set of challenges and opportunities that are there. There's much I don't agree with about their culture. Uh, there's, there's gifts and there's weaknesses in their generation I can't identify with. We didn't struggle with that. Um, all those kinds of things. But the thing I like to tell people is like, I don't think God is asking you to be a knowledge expert, to come in and explain to them exactly what's going on with their generation and exactly what God wants to do with it. Because I spent a bunch of time participating in Barna research groups and things like that, and I still can't get my head around it. But what God is calling us to do is to be a knowledge expert on what he has done in our hearts. The shallow roots and places that have been fruitless that he's had to challenge and confront us with. The deep places of meaning and deliverance that he's been at work to shape and change us, to show us who we are in Christ. To be a knowledge expert on that and then to be humble and patient enough to listen, wait, ask good questions and see God do this same miraculous work that he's done in each one of us recovering 13-year-olds in their lives. You're not all going to serve in youth ministry. But you, every day, And every Sunday in this church and in every church activity, you're probably rubbing shoulders with somebody in the next generation. And this is an all-play team sport activity. So that when you see a young man come to the men's breakfast next week, instead of just grabbing your plate, getting to your table with your buddies, why don't you stop and ask them about how school has been. And then when they tell you, remember. Write it down on your phone if you need to. Pray about them and for them during the week. When you see somebody out in the lobby, when the kids come up, when you run into them in the parking lot, stop and check in and recognize that those are gifts that if they were gone, it'd be like losing a foot and we wouldn't be able to make it very far. We want to see the kids in the church, the young adults in the church, even up to maybe 33-year-olds in the church. We want to see them in every place of the church serving in every role in the church because we believe that God has gifted them and that if we're going to grow into that fullness of Christ, we need them because we can't be us without you. We're going to get it to catch on. Let me pray. God, thank you that you are a God who delivers us uh, out of our own stubbornness, our own shame, our own pride, our insecurities, our self-centeredness, uh, our not paying as much attention to our selfness, 
Uh, God, you are at work in all kinds of miraculous ways. Thank you that we are not the people we used to be. But you are a God who has been faithful to raise us up into maturity. God, this morning, would you help us to recognize where our roots are shallow and where every uh, conflicting comment or, or, or judgment or not returned email or, or failure just blows us up. Help us, God, to move past being tossed to and fro and to press on into maturity, not by ourselves, but God, but with one another that the full measure of maturity in Christ would be known in this earth and in this community. God, in these walls here and in our community groups, in our homes, in our summer youth experiences with our local partners and our mission trips and everywhere, God, that you send your people. May your likeness go with them. That your presence would be made known and that we would be made whole through the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray these things in your precious name. Amen.